Thank you all for checking out this week's episode. Once again, I'm John. If you like what you heard and saw today, subscribe to our YouTube channel, find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and check out our brand new merch store with hats, coffee mugs, t-shirts, other cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Again, thank you all for support. Be safe and see you next week. What's going on, everyone? John here, the host of Spirit Talk. And uh, today I get to finally have on the show uh, my good friend Bobby Jimmy. Bobby is a drummer. We see touring the world uh, with Aaron Jones. And also, he is a Navy veteran. And uh, one of the main reasons why I want him on here because it's a, uh, I've had a lot of guests with different backgrounds, and I've never, I've yet to have a guest on here that actually has the military career into a successful touring position. So it's great to have you on here, sir. Thank you, man. Thank, thank you for having me. So I'm, I'm going to start this off by well, the first time I had met you guys, uh, you, Matt, uh, Aaron, uh, we were, Bob. yeah, Bob, we were, I think it was Washington, D.C., right, on the Shinedown tour, and uh, you would come backstage, and I was like, I, I'm very, when it comes to my work, I'm so laser-focused on who I'm with, I don't really, I don't listen to the radio, I don't, and I saw you guys, I was just like, holy shit, like, what what is going on back here? And I see you talking to Zach about shoes, and then you had said something under your breath. And I just started laughing. I'm like, "Oh, these guys would be rad because they're funny." And then when I see you guys play, I'm like, and "You take your shirt off." I'm just like, "We're at this historic theater in DC, <laughs> and this guy is shirtless, crushing the drums." Me and Barry from Shinedown were like, "Man, this guy's a monster in all oh, the best ways." And it's like first impressions, man, really do make a difference yeah yeah I, I think uh i think with life man we we take life so serious bro and i done had so many new different experiences it's just like man just do what you want you know well it's one of the things too it's like even when i just saw you see that ship rocked you you hold yourself a lot different than a lot of other musicians where you 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 are you're there to be part of it, but you also stand back a little bit and just let stuff happen. It's like and you come off as very organic and real. And I think that's something that a lot of musicians say don't have that type of persona. Yeah, I a lot of these people, man, they let this stuff go to their head and you know, they they realize like how many people know them and they start to change who they are to feel you know, they just a lot of people are trying to find somebody to be like. Right. Well, it's, it's they're cool. always trying to chase this persona, this this cognitive idea of someone they've read about or whatever. It's like for, again for you guys, especially, you just seamlessly fit in. Like there's when you look at your crowds and your shows, it's like it's it's for everyone. I mean, you guys are opening for Rolling Stones all over Europe, and it's like, dude, it's just pure crazy. It's just insane. Yeah, I I try not to let that stuff get to my head, man. Because at the end of the day, I'm a human being, you know. And I and I always this is something I always promise myself. I say no matter how far I may go with this, I I want to always be approachable. And I and I always want to let people know whatever you want to do, man, you can do it. Right. It might take a minute, but you can do it. Because I want to I want to be an R and B singer when I was eight years old. <laughs> Who was your uh, favorite singers growing up? Oh man, I got a lot of it. Like I'm from Memphis, so it's just like you get inspiration like down the street. I, my auntie, she was a hell of a singer, man. Uh, we they call her Bum Bum. She's from Memphis. She's my she's a songbird. 
but she she she's actually one of my favorite singles. Did you? So was music drumming specifically something you felt you had to do to kind of carry on your family legacy, or was it something where you're kind of like, I if I love music, I'm gonna do it. If I'm not, they're gonna support me no matter what I do. Well, on my, on my father's side, man, it's it's, it's heavy. Uh, every everybody sing on my dad's side. Everybody can sing. My pops played the drums actually. Uh, he just he only played in church though. He never like did it professionally. But he played in church and like people used to come just to hear him play. You know, he was left handed and he used to tune the snare real high and smack it, pop it, people in the crowd rocking. And I used to sit right there in the front and watch the real chairs, I guess. So I uh one of the guys that works for my company a couple of years ago, he was we actually one of my other friends found him because he was a drummer in his church. And I was like, What are you talking about? Like I so I grew up like traditional Catholic Christian. Okay. Uh, like the choirs, like some of the best singers, like certain times a year, I just I'd love going to church because I'd like to hear uh this certain song because I knew this girl was gonna sing it. It was awesome. And yeah. but when I, when I went with my friend to that church, and I'm like, I see this band up there, guitar, drums, and like a full drum set. I'm like, what is like? Where are we going? Is this a <laughs> show? And so I get up there, I hear it. It's just it's crazy how talented those musicians are that kind of fit into that type of music where. Mm-hmm. It makes the song that much better because you have a guy playing a full set, and you don't really yeah. you, you think you're gonna go to like a rock show, but he plays the drums in such a way where he's kind of like, "This is rad." Yeah, is I think with with church, I say this with the black church specifically. Uh, a lot of times in them areas, man, you uh, it's a drought of like music schools and stuff. Like every now and then, you will have like a little after school program or something, but it's a lot of kids that want to play music and they don't have. Uh, access to those things because they live in apartments and then a lot of times they can't afford this stuff so it's like church is the only place you can go play so it'd be like people lined up to play and you know and it'd be kids they'd be like passionate about it you know so it's unfortunate that it has to come to that type of thing where a kid that uh the wants to have the passion of music or something like that is can't do it they don't have the space or their parents are working two jobs they don't have the time or even getting to school is an issue or it's, it's unfortunate that we live in a society that isn't more promoting that type of outreach and programs. And, and I get that it's a financial reasons after school programs and stuff, but the next Bobby Jimmy could be a kid that has a mom working four jobs and trying to go to school and wants to learn drums and can't do it. And it's just like, there's an appreciation to those those people that understand that these kids are the going to be the backbone of our country and world moving forward. Yeah, man. I, uh, yeah, this because because it happened for me. Like my mom, my mom worked hard. Like my my father was around, but it was like I, you know, it's two separate households, so it was just like he had his thing, she had her thing. My mom worked real hard. I was a latchkey kid early, but um, you know, it, going like in the beginning, it was like a lot of us in like one house. And so, you know, you, I wasn't getting no, basically, I wasn't getting no drum set for a while, you know. So, uh, finally, in high school, uh, somebody uh, gifted me. It was this minister at this church. He he gifted me a drum set, man. It was a phenomenal drum set, too. Uh, and they, they gave me the fortune to be able to practice and stuff. And I was shocked that my mama let me have it because she had really bad migraines and stuff. But she finally gave me, and she was like, here you go. And she, it got so, it got so to the point where she was like, "You gonna practice today? <laughs> you gonna get in there and play today?" You know? Yeah. So, so she was really encouraging about this. 
what was that transition period from like church drumming to rock and roll drumming or is it something do you still do some of the church stuff on the side like how do you like what was that transition like because obviously the drumming is very different um i say i had a teacher coming up his name was uh jaleel eli jaleel eli he uh he composed the cadence on the drumline movie oh wow that's a whole yeah, that's a whole another story. It was like it's like it was like the Matrix, man. You want you want to hear the story? Yeah. So, <laughs> so I used to um, in middle school, junior high school, I used to ride the bus from school to my grandfather's uh, corner store. He had a corner store like right down the street from Stacks, and they that's when they was rebuilding it and stuff. And so on the bus, I used to see this guy. He had a black jacket. He used to wear these shades. He had big old headphones, and he used to have congas on his back. And me, I was like, what, 12, 13? Oh, man, I thought I knew it all. I thought I was the hot stuff, right? So I would get on the, I would get on the bus with my drumsticks. And, you know, it'd be clicking, clacking. I wanted everybody to see me. Oh, I'm a drummer. I play the drums. You know, then one day he kind of looked down at me with, with his Prince voice. He said, oh, 2B drumsticks. I said, yeah, these 2Bs. He was telling me the size of my drumsticks. I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, okay. He was like, he was like, keep keep practicing. He was like, you know, your rudiments. You know, he was asking me different questions. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm ready for whatever, you know. So Stax opened this after school program, and so my mama knew I really wanted to do it. So she was like, she was like, well, we got an audition. So I'm like, cool. So you know, the night before, I'm like, yeah, I'm finna, I'm finna show them. I got it, you know. I earned my little clothes. I had, I'm talking about creased up. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna show them. Like, I walked in, I had my sheet music phone and everything. My look up at the table where they critiquing us. Guess who's sitting there? <laughs> Morpheus, <laughs> brother Eli. <laughs> He's sitting there. He was like, okay, play play your first piece. I'm sitting. I'm nervous. I'm like, man, that's the dude on the bus. I was so scared. <laughs> but wow. but he, he he still I still talk to him to this day. It's crazy how the circumstance like that when you just pass meet someone on a bus or a train station, they how. It, Ultimately, that person could change your trajectory of your career in life. Yeah, and he, and really, he was the one that taught me how to be a chameleon. You know, how to prepare myself for any situation, you know. And so, it, the transition wasn't that hard because even with gospel, it's like, it's so many different ways you can go with gospel. Right. And sometimes a gospel song can turn into a rock song or a jazz song or Latin at any moment. So, it was kind of like, I was, my ears were prepared for it, but he was teaching me how to play it. Right. So how they, is it, how difficult, or is it not difficult at all? But like when it comes to recording uh, in the studio versus the live experience, because watching you drum live, it seems like you have more freedom, if that makes sense, to kind of play to the crowd and the song more than you would with the restrictions of hey, this has to be recorded a certain way. Oh, uh, uh, so I recently started getting into recording a lot more. Uh, I remember when I was in high school, I I did some recording. And it was it was terrible because I didn't understand the dynamic, and it was it was a total difference between studio and performance, like you said. And you have a little less freedom because you have to give the artist what they want, you know, at all times. Right. But specifically in the studio, it's like this might be on the radio, you know. You want to simmer down a little bit, and I ain't understand it. I was just black, 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 black. But it, it for me it was it's it was tough because you know you got the beep. And it's boring as hell, so you have to, you know, you got to come up with this stuff on the spot. And then you have to also be yourself within the music. Get them what they want and be yourself. 
So it it was a uh, it was challenging for me. Yeah, it's well, it's like you create this. How would, it, would the Bobby the version of you when you're not dropping versus when you're on stage, shirtless, doing crazy stuff, like playing to the crowd? Is is there any like what's the main difference or the main similarity between both versions of you at that moment? Uh. What are you talking about, like, just not playing and playing? Yeah, like, are you, like, when you're not drumming, are you the same type of person you are on stage or vice versa? Like, is there a, do you become somewhat different when you're behind the kit, when you're playing in front of a crowd? I think the only difference is that my shirt is off, because I'm, I'm usually not naked in front of people like that, but. <laughs> not in church, at least, yeah. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, man, I, I just try to always be true to myself, so it's just like, it's not much of a difference, because I, I, I'm trying to find happiness all the time, you know, it's not realistic to be happy all the time because you know stuff upsets you and stuff. But I'm all, you, you, you know this for yourself. Like anytime you see me, I'm trying to put a smile on my face, and if I'm mad about something, I kind of hide so I don't nobody see it. <laughs> right. Well, it's like it's the other thing too. It's like you guys could do like a like a rock hard rock metal festival, a Danny Weber festival in Florida, but then you're in Paris opening for Rolling Stones. It's like you're able to like blend in like yourself. Obviously, when you're with Aaron Jones and stuff, but for you, it's just so surreal to me that, to know you when I first met you to see what you've done, accomplished, and continue to do it. It's, it's pretty cool, man. That Rolling Stones thing, man. I'm just like every time I see you guys like videos from that, I'm just like that. This is so rad. Uh, thank you, man. Yeah, it's it's a dream come true for sure. I it's it's a dream come true. I'm st- and I'm still trying to climb. I'm trying to figure out what's next for me. So it's like I, I never want to stop. Would you, as we kind of transitioned to your military career, like why did you choose the Navy? Was there some of your family that did military Navy? Like, how did you settle on that? So, uh, Antoine Fisher is my, one of my favorite movies. Classic. Great story, too. The book, and I read the book, too. So, like, oh, the wow. book was like, yeah, the book was, so I was so inspired by that. Yeah, it was always a thought. And then, like, I, um, uh, uh, I was a terrible student in high school. I was I was horrible. I ain't gonna I ain't gonna lie to you. Uh, I hated school, and so I was like, man, I'm mediocre in school. I gotta figure out what I'm gonna do after school. I want to go to college because I ain't want to waste my folks' money. Right. Because I knew I wasn't gonna get no scholarship because we had a different band teacher by 12th grade, and it was just like he was some dude just graduated college, didn't know what he was doing as a teacher. So I was like, man, what I'm gonna do? My cousin was joining. I had a cousin. We were around the same age. He was joining that year, and I was like, man, I think I'm going to do it too. So I talked to a recruiter, and he got me on board, and I was so nervous. And what really inspired me to join the Navy was it was a strong possibility that I wasn't going to go to Iraq. I wasn't trying to, you know, be in the mess, you know, and I still ended up going. <laughs> <laughs> and, I was like, oh, and I was so spooked. I was like, oh, what's going to happen? <laughs> but, you know, I made it through it. But yeah, that, that was what inspired me. And I, I got family members that was in. I actually, uh, I'm actually related to one of the Tuskegee Airmen. I just found that reason. Really? Yeah, I don't know which one, but you know how it is when you go to a family. Yeah, you know, you, your cousin is <laughs> So it's one of those situations. It's, the lineage there is I mean, it's crazy. I think one of the Tuskegee Airmen just passed away, like the oldest living one, I think recently. Um, yeah, man, what a crazy... Cause it's like you don't. It's like for me when I see that, it's just like we can talk about all this stuff. And it's like the the idea that the being self serving and kind of just giving back. It's like, is it something that you 
are forever grateful for those four years you did, or you would you think you wanted to do more? Maybe if there's something there uh, that you kind of piqued your interest more, like you could still be in there type thing. I tell you what I tell everybody. If I would have, because okay, so when I when I was going uh, when I was uh, enlisting, you had to know how to play two instruments from two music families from two instrumental wow. families to be a musician. And so I only played the drums and I can sing too, but I was just like, man, I only play the drums. So uh, if I would have been able to be a musician, I would have did 20 years easily. That would have been bad, man. Yeah, it would have it been fun because I, I used to watch the videos and stuff and I was like, man, it's like this drummer is playing safe. Like I wouldn't do none of that. Like I was just, <laughs> you know. The uh, when I was in the government, like all the White House always have like the the bands and the military bands there playing. It's like those guys are like the drum leaders and so like the uh, leader, like the front marching, like all like the, the drill lines stuff. I'm just like, what a rad! It's like, oh, I play the crash cymbal. Yeah, but you play the crash cymbal in front of every world leader in the world, and you're the best in the world at it. Exactly, exactly, and it, it is, and that's like. Cause that's something you want to do, so it's like for that to be like a government job, man. You do, I do that until I can't no more, you know. Right now, yeah. when you were in there, did you have a chance to maintain your chops playing, or is it like how do you like how do you kind of because four years is a long time to not do what you normally did behind the drumstick? Okay. Um, I it was like uh, in the military it was a hobby. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't take it serious because I was like, man, well, I'm here and I can't really take a drum set with me on the ship. So, I, you know, but uh, uh, when I got to my ship, uh, I used to, I used to just kick, I would, I would always take risks, man. Like, I was always kicking it with people I didn't know. And it was this one dude, like, his wife was on deployment and he was at the commons. And I was like, I just started talking to him. He, we went to Guitar Center together, you know. <laughs> he took me to Guitar I don't even remember his name. But we ended up going to Guitar Center. And we was kicking it. And I was in there playing the drums. He was like, man, you play the drums? I'm like, a little bit. You know, I was terrible then, though, because I, I had kind of lost it. But, um... I bought me a practice pad and I had some sticks. So I always had a practice pad and sticks on me, but I was just randomly like just beating around, you know. So I th I think that was what kind of kept me doing it. Yeah. Uh, and when I got out, I kind of panicked when I was getting ready to get out of the military because I didn't know what I was going to do next. But I was like, man, I, I could play the drums. But I'm like, man, it's not no real job, <laughs> you know. So, but yeah, it was, it ended up working out for me, I guess. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, I was, I was never sure if like people that have like those, whether you play trumpet, drums, or you're a really good painter, or you do like the military stuff, stuff like if they're able to help, like obviously I know what your duty is, the to serve yeah. the branch, but for people that have those special skills, it's like I kind of wish the board was done where it's like kind of preserve that, but it seems mm -hmm. like you're able to get creative and uh, maintain that. That's just awesome. Imagine. Just drumming on the open sea like that. It's got to be such a surreal, like, when you look out in the ocean, we're doing that and be like, here's a small drummer going overseas, military, and, like, what am I, like, it's just, was there any fear at all where you're kind of like, dude, what am I doing out here? Yeah, um, from boot camp to when I got out. Uh, and boot camp, you know, every morning I cut the lights on, I was like, damn, I wasn't dreaming, you know. <laughs> I'm really here. I'm like, what am I doing? And then, like, uh, going to school for my job in the military, I'm like, okay, this is hella boring. What am I doing here? You know. Then I get to the ship and I'm like, uh oh, 
and you know having to qualify with the guns and stuff and having to stand security and stuff like that. I'm like, man, I'm really I'm like this is BS. Like, what am I doing? I don't even want to be here, you know. And then like, uh, yeah, being on open sea. Now that was, that was the best part to me because I would be like, okay, this is cool. Because I used to have to stand on the back of the ship, you know, stand oh, yeah. man overboard watch, and you know make sure that nobody fall off the boat and uh. You know, sometimes you take my pad out there and, you know, you see real pretty sunsets and stuff. But at night, I used to see shooting stars. And every time I saw one, I used to wish. I used to make wish. And I used to be like, man, when I get out, I want to be like, I want to be a drummer. Like, I used to really wish that. I was like, man, if I really want the life that I want, you know. And right. You see where I'm at. So if you see a shooting star, you better well, it's, it, it's your point, though. It's one of those things where I think – the only thing that's stopping us from achieving our dreams or goals is us, really. And it's mm-hmm. like we can have the, you can write down these notes, like I'm going to do this or I'm going to do this. You still have to do it, and you have to put yourself in a position to do this. And that's going to take some uh, overcoming some fear, uh, making mistakes, failing. And it's like when people like you that get there, it's like you said best. You're still going for the next thing in drumming. And it's like the people, the minute you start like resting on your laurels, they're like, oh, I made it. We've never really made it. If we made it, we would have stopped yesterday. It's like the people that don't stop are the ones that I aspire to like follow and really appreciate because it's it truly is amazing. Thank you, man. Yeah, I'm trying, bro. Uh, I'm trying as hard as I can because uh, shoot, like even like we're not. I don't have my next show with Aaron till May six, but I'm playing with this artist that I've been playing with for a little while. Her name is Scarlett Park. Uh, they just recently wrote something about it on MTV.com, but uh, she was she was the first person that put me on TV. Uh, oh wow! Uh, yeah, Revo TV. Wow! And so uh, yeah, I'm playing with her this weekend. Like at a, it's like a resort or a cabin or something. Yep. But yeah, I I'm trying. I'm always trying to stay busy and trying to keep at it. Do you? When it comes to writing as a drummer, like, do you write at all? Like, how does a drummer write stuff in terms of music? No, I'm not talking lyrics. I'm talking like beats. No, nope. is that something you just have to like play and record? Um. So like when I'm learning, like when I'm learning songs, sometimes I have to jot down notes, like actual music notes, so I can know to remember the structure of the song because it's different from being in rehearsal and then being on stage and they looking at you to to to, to tap the song off, right? Because you have to remember tempos and you know song structure and stuff and. Sometimes I had to write down on my set list, like, okay, this this song, and write down like a little little excerpt of the notes. Be <laughs> like, okay, start something like this, da 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 da, you know, right? Little notes. But yeah, there's like this, there's a lot of the notation I have going on. So yeah, it looked like Spanish, <laughs> <laughs> but it works for me, right? And I love the thing about the drummers is the ones that have like. When you're watching the show and like they do that, I'm not talking the drum solo, but they'll do something in the show where it's when you hear the song on the radio or like the CD or vinyl, it's not in the song, but they're able mm-hmm. to seamlessly kind of add something to it where it's like, I don't remember that, but it fits in so well. It's like, do you ever come across when you hear a song and you're like, man, this song needs this? And do you ever have like your singer or like someone else in your band like you go, what was that? It was kind of cool, or don't ever do that again. <laughs> um. For me, so I didn't, so I didn't play on, on none of Aaron's recordings. Okay. So for me, it's like, it's it, I look at it like food because I love food, right? Yeah. So it's like, it's like okay, somebody already gave me the recipe because it's on the album. So 
of course, obviously, I'm gonna put hot sauce on it. <laughs> so then, you know, that's how I look at it. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna put some hot sauce on it. I probably sprinkle a little seasoning salt on it, or put a little brown sugar on it. You know, and this this kind of how I approach the situation. Try to try to look at it like a coloring book. I'm adding a little something right. to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it definitely it definitely feels because I, I saw you at Chip Rock uh, this January or whatever it was. Like hearing those songs again, it, it just seems so different because it seems like you even more having more fun with it. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because because even me as a musician, I'm always evolving. Right. So it's like from the first time you heard me to like now, it's it's, it's always gonna be different. Right. So I'm never, I'm never planning it, but I'm always structured. Right. If that makes sense, you know, I'm oh, loose, but I'm not. <laughs> you know. And I think the way you play is very infectious. Where if someone doesn't like that type of music or doesn't know that song, it's on the radio. You guys are playing, but you look at you, and it's like this this band is having fun. It looks like you guys are generally having fun up there with your interactions. It's just, it's such good, dirty rock and roll. And yeah, because it's just awesome. Because that, that's the most important part to me because, you know, it's men, it's, it's, it's time in your life. Like, this is yeah. time that you won't get back. So you can't be all serious about everything. Like, you just got to make it work for you and have fun. I was watching uh, this Jocko. I, mean, I know you know who Jocko is. Yeah. Jocko Pesco. Yep. I was watching his um, documentary last night and Peter Erskine was saying this this one of the things he's Jocko said to him before he played the show. He said Jocko looked at him, said, have fun. And he was like, he never heard that before. And I hear it all the time. And I was like, okay. Right. So I make sure I have fun, you know. Yeah, it's one of those things too where it's like even no matter what you do for work, have fun with it. Like we mm -hmm. all know stuff. I mean, do what I do what you do, like people look at that be like, oh that's not stress. I mean there's stress involved, but are we doctors? Are we on the front lines? Law enforcement, military, are we doing that right now? I mean, that's some stressful stuff, right? But yeah. You still have to be able to have fun in those jobs. Yeah. You have, you have to always. Yeah. You, you have, have to. to. Yeah, you got to find something you like about it. Right. Because why <laughs> do it? Why, right, right. why do it unless it's a stepping stone to what you really want to do? But even then, is it worth it if you're just going to sit there and, oh, this sucks, or I don't want to do this. This is tough. Mm -hmm. I did that in the Navy. <laughs> I, I hate this place. I hate it. But I, you know, I made I made lifelong friends in there. I had to find something I liked about it. Yeah, I learned. It's, I learned it's, it's admirable. It's uh, I never served, and I, I can't. Hats off to all you guys and girls that do that. It's just, it's a truly remarkable, selfless thing. And it's like hearing you guys and people talk about that time. It's like. Yeah, I went to military college and I ended up doing the federal side of stuff, but I I just love that lifestyle. And I, everything I got from military college was like be if you're early, if you're on time, you're late, mm -hmm. uh making your bed, like doing all these little tiny things, shining your boots, be proud of what you wear, ironing your shirt, starching, and make sure your gig line is all it's just like yeah. look at it, it's like <laughs> this is so stupid, but all that stuff I brought out on the road and stuff where it's like, dude, I still make my bed in the hotel rooms because it's like, I don't want, I think my mom's going to kick the shit out of me. Or <laughs> some drill sergeants be like, why is your corner not fixed? Or and it's just right. like, I think that type of structure is conducive to a very healthy lifestyle. I think more people, I think the people that need it uh, would greatly benefit from that type of style. Absolutely, because I'm I'm grateful I did it because it, it taught me a lot. It, the two things, the two main things I got from the military that still like are pivotal or like I I hold the most important. Uh, 
One is packing. Oh, yeah. Oh, I know how to pack some clothes. <laughs> yeah. They be laughing at me because I have a little bit of bag, and they be like, roll them in. Roll them and fold them, yep. baby. Like a dollar and, uh, bill. Yep. And another thing is keeping my head on the swivel. Yep. There's, there's something that it really, because like you said, you always use on Shiprock, you saw me sitting back and watching. Because you have, you have to, you always oh. have to read, you have to read people, man. You have to know where people come from, because it's like, we musicians, we traveling, we going to places we ain't never been, we got to watch people, man. And it's like, you can almost tell somebody's intention before they even do something. You're like, hey, let's go. It's yeah. time to go. What are we leaving for? Hey, shut up and come on. Yeah. We'll talk about it later, you know. Yeah. Time for bed, bat. Do it a bed. <laughs> <laughs> now, Matt, man, Matt, Matt has a lot of discipline, man. It ain't, it ain't Matt who I have to look after. <laughs> I ain't gonna say no names, but yeah, it's not Matt. <laughs> he was so funny at that because he got actually motion sickness the rest of that cruise. I think a couple of days, right? Yeah, like he lost. Well, he said he lost what ten pounds and like yeah. What? Yeah, he. So I guess he had motion sickness and food poisoning. Crazy. So I was just like, man, but I'm I'm glad he got better. But he was like, I don't want to do that no more. I'm yeah, like, I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, something happened recently in your life. You were actually in a bad car accident. Oh man! And yeah. if you, if, I don't know if you can talk, really want to talk about it. Or if you have like still PTSD from it, but it's one of those things where you kind of touched on before. Life is so short, and take advantage of all your opportunities. It's like. That type of moment for you, for someone that already kind of lived that lifestyle, like how much more of a wake up call did you need to be like, man, this is great. Like this, this could end in a split second. Uh, that, uh, I think that was a there was a warning for some personal that's going on in my life right now. But at the same time, it was like, yeah, like it, it gave me a new appreciation for life. It's like, okay, you're doing life. Do it more, right. <laughs> you know. What I'm saying? Like, like turn up, like do what you want to do. Say what you want to say because, you know, sometimes you don't want to tell somebody something and you hesitate, or you don't want to do something and it's just like that. That initial thought to do it or say it is like that's the time to do it. We just put too much too much energy into thinking about it, right? And by the time it's time to do it, we be exhausted. But it's just like just do it, man. And uh, yeah, that was. That was different for me because you never expect nothing like that. And it's just oh. like I flipped, I flipped 15 feet. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I flipped multiple times. And I'm like, okay, I'm not dead. My glass is gone. My phone gone. My wallet fell out of my pocket. I'm like, uh-oh. And it wasn't my car. So I had to help replace a car, you know. So I'm like, uh-oh. So I had to. <laughs> so look, it was crazy because I was close to where I live. So I'm like, okay. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm at because I ain't got my glasses. I can't see nothing. I ain't got my phone. I can't call nobody. My wallet's gone. I'm screwed, you know. So I get, yeah. I, I jump out the car. The car was like, let me see if I can find. So okay, say this is the car, right? Yep. So by the time I flipped, the car was like this. Wow. With the driver's side on the floor. So I jump. I jump out the top. And open the. I had to open the passenger door like this. It was like a spaceship. <laughs> so I opened it up, and I, I I didn't realize how high I was. So I jumped, and I'm like, oh shit! As I'm jumping, I'm like, boom! So I finally hit the ground. I'm like, damn, that was a long jump, <laughs> but I'm still alive. So I, you know, I realized I ain't break nothing. I was, I was good. 
So I'm climbing up to the sidewalk because I was deep down there. I was deep down in the trees and stuff. So I climbed to the sidewalk and I'm like, okay, I don't know where I'm going because I can't see. I ain't got no GPS. But I saw I saw the street light. I said, I'm just gonna follow the street light. Walking towards the street light, see the coffee shop that's close to my house. I'm like, okay, I'm on the right track. And I walked home. It was like an hour walk. Wow. Yep. So got to the house, had to break the bad news, got cussed out. Yeah. Well, it's just what? Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you kind of briefly you talked about the idea that like for me it's like with that when that stuff like that happens whether it's a a sick family member that passes away or an accident or a major event where it's like my, my first thought is i never want to have that regret thought where i yeah. should have done this or i should have said this or i know it's very cliche like hollywood where it's like on your deathbed and like you said this is with your father or your mother or your son or but it's like for me there is something to that because it's like when that stuff happens, for it always puts stuff in perspective. Like, mm-hmm. what am I? Am I doing something wrong? Was this a real truly a sign? Right. Uh, I'm, I'm a religious person per se, and so when something that happens, I'm very like, what is is God telling me something, or is a higher power telling me something? And it's like, what do I? Is there another lesson I learn? I need to learn, or, but also to your point, to man, just laugh loud cry hard like all that stuff where it's like what we live we're on this earth for fleeting minutes in the grand scheme of things and we're worried about how someone's going to perceive us backstage at a festival yep. you all hate me you know what i'm happy with me that's all i care about right it's yep. just crazy that's the most important part man and, you know because he because you when you realize how long you're here you're like man it's not that long no man we're just a tour is seven weeks. It's two minutes. Fast. And you know, like, once the show over, because even the show go by fast. You be like, man, it's an hour already. Right. right. <laughs> and then it's over. And then I think I think it kind of slows down when you're packing up. You know, you load trucks and stuff like that. Right. It slows down for sure. But once that's done, it's like party time. Oh, yeah. stand up. Then when it's time to go to bed, it slows down a little bit when you can't sleep. And then you finally go to sleep. The next day come fast. Pew, pew, pew. Yep. <laughs> then you ride to the next city. It slows down. Yeah. <laughs> you get there, it picks back up. So it's like what's a little the, moment. What's the worst thing you hate about touring? <sighs> or what makes it really tough? Like if someone's like, oh, I love touring, you'd be like, yeah, well, you don't, you wouldn't like this. Uh you know, it's hard, it's hard for me to say. Um it's it's hard for me to say, honestly. Because I, I take it all in. I think for me, I ain't, I don't have a tech. <laughs> so right. so so uh so uh setting up and breaking down is the worst part for me. It's just like uh setting up is cool because it's the anticipation, right? Yeah. You're like okay, you're tuning your drums and stuff. But break it down, uh, oh man, because you you get through playing the show and you have to break your own drums down. Right. Like that. That's the that's the part I hate, but other than that, everything else is cool, you know. I've uh, I've never asked you this, but with the necklaces around your neck, is it something you can talk about? Like it's, you've always worn those every time I've seen you. Man, so so I'm a I'm a giving person, right? Yeah, for sure. 100%. I, I give to it. Sometimes I give when it hurts, you know. Yeah. So uh long time I'd had this for almost what, fifteen years? Uh I made this this these bees are from Michaels. And this is a shoestring off some Nikes I had. But when I made it, I said, this is a gift to myself. Wow. 
you know. So I was like, I was like, I would always, you know, I would never stray from it. I would always keep it with me because this is something that I gave to myself, and I, I feel like I deserved it. Right. Uh, now this I got from a father in France. It was his kid couldn't make it to the show for some reason. I'm not sure if he said he was in the hospital or something, but his kid wanted me to have this. Yep. And. You know, they had different charms on it. Got the red man on it. Oh, hell yeah. And then it got, I'm not sure exactly what stone this is, but it says something like an eye or something like that. Yeah. And then you got, I'm not sure if you know what that is. The lion? What is that? Mm -hmm. yeah. Tiger. Yep. And then you got uh, Buddha. Yeah. I mean, yeah, is that Buddha? Yeah, it looks like it. Or like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because, you know, all, all, all them start looking the same. When you look at the, the different guards and stuff, they yeah. all pose the same. And they have yeah. Yeah, same photographer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. It's well, cool, yeah, man. Yeah. Giving a gift to yourself. It's, it's one of those things, too, like a lot of people don't do. Like, it's very – I love when I give a gift to someone. I love the reaction to someone opening a gift as opposed to – Oh, man. I – Make someone else happy with a gift or a niece or a nephew or whatever. It's like when you got buy yourself a gift, it's it's well earned because it's like I don't normally buy stuff for myself. If I need something, I'll get it. But when I do buy that nice gift, I'm like, I've earned this, man. Like I deserve this. And it's like I kind of like that. But yours is such a. I don't have the the craftsmanship to even do what you did with the, the necklace. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> I just love the idea that. You something as simple as that is so profound and impactful for you. And yeah. if you're talking, you wear something for 15 years. I mean, that's just I get bracelets sometimes, like those uh special bracelets you put on, they fall uh, off in the shower, swimming, it's like oh, it's in the ocean, whatever, it's gone. Or it'll, it'll break or something. Right. Like, I'm just like, oh, I feel bad. But that's 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 been on you even when you drum, correct? Yeah, yes. so that that that's just yeah. crazy that never leaves you, man. One, one time I left it, uh, one time we had a show, I think we were opening for Co Wetzel, and um, I left it, I left it in the hotel, and I was like, no, I gotta go get my necklace, and so they had this thing, they had this, uh, you know, they got the thing on Uber where you can uh, send them to go get a package. Yes. And the lady at the front desk at the other hotel was able to get it for me. And I sit for, <laughs> I sit for the Uber. I said, I need my deck, dude. You know, they went and got it for me. They bought it. I was so happy because I was like, no, I can't lose this. But that, that was like the only close call I had with it. That's awesome. That was the only close call I had with it. But yeah, I I don't take it off, man. Right. Most of the time. <laughs> so uh, before I let you go, I know you mentioned you do some work with other artists and stuff, but how's the rest of the year looking for you in terms of work and stuff like that? Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's a tough question because it's it's a lot going on, man, in my personal life. Uh, but I I got some I got some stuff to look forward to. Um, yeah, good. I recently Matt hooked me up with this reggae man. Awesome. Yep, and I I played with them for the first time last week. Uh, man, for a four twenty show, you know how they went. Oh uh, yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. They called uh, Picky Head Militia. Huh. Yeah, dope, man. And so, uh, so they asked me. I played with them for the first time. They asked me to come back and play with them uh, on the twenty first. Uh, they they're located in Mobile, so that I got that going. And then I'm playing with Scarlet Scarlet Park that I just mentioned. Yep. Uh, 
you know, I play a few spot dates and stuff, and I, of course I'm playing with Aaron still. But uh, I don't know, man. I, I wanna I wanna start working on my own music, so yeah. So we'll see what happens, man. I'm just taking it day by day. <laughs> no, I, I love that, man. It's uh, yep. well, best thing we can do there. The uh, yep. this has been awesome, man. Thank you uh, for your time, Bobby, and uh, I wish you all success. And uh, I'm sure I'll see you Thank backstage you. somewhere, shirtless and catering, and uh, <laughs> it'll be a good time. Free to nip, baby. Yeah, free it out, baby. Thank you, sir. Uh, thank you, man. Oh, hello. I'm just enjoying this nice fucking candle. Anyways, I'm John, the host of Spear Talk, and I want to talk to you about nice fucking candles. We are lucky to have nice fucking candles as a sponsor of the podcast. And if you use code SPEARTALK15, you get 15% off your first order, or use the affiliate link below to always get your candle needs through nice fucking candles. Nice fucking candles are 100% soy wax. They have a 65-hour burn time, maybe more, if you uh, nurse the flame a little bit, maybe. I don't know, I'm not an expert on flames uh, or candles, but I will say these things burn a long fucking time. You ask you about the wick, it's a double wick for even burning, which is amazing. And uh, they come with three incredible flavors. Uh, I'm not sure if you're gonna be eating these candles, but if you do like them, the scents, are eucalyptus and ginseng, tobacco and fireside, and seaside and driftwood. Once again, uh, nice fucking candles. They are the candle company for Spear Talk. And if you love candles and need a good scent to clear out your office, your room, your podcast room, your weight room, uh, your whatever you're doing in a room that smells like crap, use this candle. It's amazing. Thank you. Check them out. Love nice fucking candles. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.